to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. my warriors. This is Mary Mack of The Mary Mack Show. I had the great privilege of being with Rebecca Brown. She is living in Oklahoma, although a little earlier in life, when her son Cole was alive, they were in California, and she'll tell us that extraordinary story. Cole was just 18 when he died. He died on September 2nd, 2021, in the thick of COVID, of fentanyl poisoning. He is survived by his sister, Ella, who was 16 at the time, and brother, Seth, who was 12. And Rebecca is married to John Purcell, who has been a great strength to her. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. So I'd like to introduce you to this wonderful woman. She is involved with the Oklahoma Society or branch of drug-induced homicide. And she is also involved with Oklahoma's families, supporting families. So thank you, Rebecca, for being here today. And I thank you so much for taking the time out to tell us about your wonderful son, Cole. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And I'd love to learn more about his growing up years, your family's growing up years. You know, he had um, what I would consider a very good family life. Um, he had um, his brother and sister. He was the oldest. Um, you know, he, he was funny. He was just a great little boy. Um, he loved to dance. He used to do the routine to Pinocchio. I don't know if you ever watched that where he has, I, you know, his strings, his legs are being held down with strings. He used to dance, you know, um, we had a good life. I mean, no family is perfect by any means. Um, me and his dad didn't end up, um, you know, separating after 13 years of marriage and Cole, you know, he was, 12 at the time. And he did take that rather hard. That was very difficult for him. Um, you know, his dad had a drug problem as well. Um, so after 13 years, uh, you think that when you love somebody that it's not going to, you know, wear you down, but after 13 years of dealing with it off and on from his dad, it got very tiresome. So, you know, yeah. him and I decided it was, more me was it it was time for a change for everybody you know um but overall I mean we had really good times you know we went on vacations we did fun things with the kids I was very I did a lot of art stuff with him Cole loved baseball he played baseball from four years old you know all the way into high school so oh my. You know, 
yeah, you know, I think he had a pretty averagely normal life, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> What's normal? <laughs> you don't know, but, yes, that's you know. true. He had a family that loved and supported him. You know, we, we supported him anything and everything he chose to do. We were behind him. So, you know, it was, we did the best we could, you know. You happened to mention before that he struggled a little bit with health issues. Yes. Um, so after um, me and Cole's dad split up and got divorced, like I said, he definitely had a very difficult time with that. And that seemed like that was when he started getting depressed. Cole got very depressed. Um, and more so when his dad passed away. So me and his dad split up and nine months after we split up, his dad passed away. Oh um, my goodness. That must yeah. take a toll on your whole family. Oh gosh, it did. It was, I mean, you know, those are very big, stressful events to have happen to get your parents get divorced and then to have one of your parents pass. Um, so Cole took that. I mean, everybody took it very difficult, but Cole, you know, uh, took it very hard. And that is when a lot of his depression started happening. He got depressed. Um, he did have three or four episodes where he had thought about taking his life or talked about it. You know, he was in, um, I want to say three mental hospitals around that time. Um, and then he, when he was about 17, when he was in going through all the depression, you know, we were really weird on not putting him on a bunch of medication sure. because, um, when he started the depression, he also started experimenting with marijuana and taking Adderall pills from a friend at school in eighth grade. So, um, it kind of was like, you know, me and the psychiatrist said, well, if he's doing those things, you don't really want him on all this psychiatric medication. So we tried to get him in counseling. He did not want to talk to a counselor. I cried the day that the counselor told me I can't help somebody that doesn't want to talk to me because I knew he needed to talk. And, you know, in his 13 year old mind, he didn't understand that it was too difficult to put everything he was feeling into words, you know? Sure. So I remember telling him, you know, if ever you need to talk or decide you want to, that option is always there, you know, and I encouraged him that he should. So it seemed like after that is when a lot of the drug, him experimenting with drugs started, the Adderall, the smoking weed, you know, he started doing that. And I'll be honest, like every parent, you think, okay, kids try stuff, kids experiment. This is normal, you know, right. um, behavior. Obviously we didn't want him to do that. And there was consequences for actions, you know, um, but it seemed like as he got older, it got more and more of a problem than just experimentation, you know, and Cole was very much like he would do, he would experiment with drugs, whatever it might be that he was experimenting with. And then he wouldn't, he would, he would, he somehow would stop for a while and it just seemed like everything was okay. And then he would jump back into that drug scene, you know? Um, but amongst all the trying of the different drugs, you know, he had these mental health issues and that was a very, you know, serious, serious thing in our family. I mean, when he tried to take his life three times and then um, 
after that, he had a little period where, you know, we got him on medication. He had severe anxiety, severe anxiety. And, um, he also had to get more medication for that, the anxiety. And then, um, you know, he, he ended up having a manic break. I don't know if anybody's ever, um, experienced anything like that, but he ended up having that. And then we had to, um, put him in another mental hospital so they could regulate the medication to get him, you know, to be thinking in the proper mind, I guess, mindset. So, you know, he had been through so much. Um, I didn't even mention he had an eating disorder, um, before all of the depression and everything. And, um, we, we dealt with counselors with all of that. I mean, I can say like looking back at Cole's life, he had been through so much and had gotten through it for what took his life to have taken his life just completely like blew my mind. You know what I mean? Like he had been so much and survived all these things. Like he, I think in my mind, he was a much stronger person than he ever knew that he was, you know, because I couldn't imagine having had a eating disorder and then being depressed and trying to take my life and being suicidal, having severe anxiety, and then being diagnosed with a manic break and bipolar, you know, um, and then still able after all of that to go forward with life and succeed, you know, graduate from high school and, you know, look forward to all the things he had planned in the future, you know. That must've been very frustrating for you. Oh gosh. I mean, I, I just was, I would have never thought that a pill, a laced pill would have took his, you know, after all of that. Right. Just trying to balance out all of his issues and the medications that were being used for many of them. Sometimes it's the cocktail that doesn't work, right? It's like, let's try a couple of these drugs at the same time and see if that's the answer. Right. And that's what we did. You know, there was a lot of mom talking to doctors. I mean, the mental health is so not good. Like, you know, how mental health is treated. I I sat in the hospitals with him and watched these patients that had nobody to advocate for them. Right. You know, and they were given something and shot back out on the street and that they weren't given the help that they needed. Like that someone, like I was able to fight for Cole on his side and me being in my right mind, be able to be like, no, he needs more. He needs something different. You know what I mean? Like we need more help where I saw other people in the hospitals that were just given a pill and released, you know what I mean? So mental health has a long way to go. And I, firmly believe that mental health and drugs sometimes many times go hand in hand whether it be the person has mental health issues and seek the drugs or they got mental health issues from taking drugs you know yes it could be either side either side absolutely absolutely so (laughs) would you please tell us um, you were living at the time in California and you told me that you had sold your house and the plan was to move to Oklahoma. Will you continue that story? Yes, I will. So, um, 
September 2nd, we had got up, we had sold our house. And the plan was that day, um, me and my husband, John and Cole's brother and sister, Ellen, Seth, we were going to be, we had all of our stuff packed up in a trailer and we were going to be moving to Oklahoma. Um, my mom and dad, Cole's grandparents, Cole lived with his grandparents at the time, um, because he had, uh, turned 18 and gotten in a little bit of trouble. That was honestly, um, because of his drug use. So he had decided he was an adult and didn't want to live at home and didn't want to be under my rules. So he was living <laughs> with my parents at the time, which in my mind, I was okay with that. Cause I thought, well, maybe he needs his grandpa, you know, to be that strong man role model. Cause you know how stepdads and sometimes aren't always, you know, Cole was pretty Cole loved John, but he was also very, um, not willing to listen to him all the time. You know, you're not my dad. Yeah, so yeah. Um, when he chose to live with my parents, I was okay with it. I thought, well, guess where I was trained by my parents. So they're going to have the same roles, but okay. So Cole was living with them. Um, my parents also were moving to Oklahoma along with Cole, but they were going to be two weeks behind us. So Cole was going to stay since my parents are in their seventies and help them pack up and move out a couple weeks. So we were moving and then Cole was going to be moving with my parents two weeks later. So um, the day we were going to leave, Cole um, was supposed to come and see me and before I left and Cole was very much a mama's boy. He was my buddy. He was my son, <laughs> but he definitely like me and him, you know, we talked every day. He came over. He was worried about me leaving, you know, and him being there in California for two weeks. And I was like, well, if you need to come, then we'll just fly you out sooner. You know, it's not a big deal. So he was okay with that. He was actually very much looking forward to moving. Cole was. Um, so that morning when we got up and Cole did not um, show up to see me. Um, it was around, I want to say around nine or so I started worrying about him nine in the morning. Um, I had asked, you know, I was like, Hey, but I kind of got to roll back here. So the previous day, Cole had gotten in trouble at my dad's house for vaping in his house because Cole was the kind of kid. It was nothing you couldn't he couldn't do anything it was all or nothing you know what I mean so okay. yeah 100 percent or nothing okay. exactly he was like that he couldn't just vape he was not like that once vaping it led to more things for Cole he just couldn't stick with just vaping you know um so he just wasn't allowed to do any of that and um my dad had caught him vaping so he had said you either need to throw that away or you need to leave well Cole decided he was going to leave Cole had a job, he had money. So he decided um, the day before we were moving. So that would have been the first to um, go and get a hotel room. And it wasn't normal for Cole to be in a hotel room. Okay. It wasn't like he did that all the time. He was mad. My dad was mad and he was going to go do what he wanted. Right. Right. So he got this hotel room. So I knew he was staying in the hotel room the day before I had spoke to him he had actually um, called my dad and apologized and said, you know, hey, can I come back the next day? So my dad said, sure, I would, you know, yes, thank you for apologizing, you know, come back tomorrow, which would have been the uh, September 2nd. Okay. 
So well, in one respect, that was really a good thing. So your dad never had, you know, absolutely. their last you know, words I, were good words. Right. Nobody wants to end with angry words, you know. Um, so that next morning, you know, we knew Cole was staying in the hotel. I had his room number. I knew what hotel he was staying in. Um, we, that, that, you know, when he did not show up on the second, when we were leaving, I started worrying about him about nine 30. I was texting him, texting him, Cole, are you okay? Cole, are you wait? Cole, 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 you know, Hey, are you coming? You know, I was really concerned and my dad and John were trying to play that devil's advocate and was like, he's just sleeping. You know what I mean? And, and Cole yeah. is a very, very strong sleeper. He's a heavy sleeper. So <laughs> I was like, okay, but you know, you hear people and parents and moms, especially say that they had that thought, like something wasn't right. You know what I mean? The intuition. And so, Yes. The intuition of something wasn't right. So, um, I kind of was feeling that the whole morning. Um, and then it was time for us to leave. So it was like 1130, we were supposed to be loaded up and leaving. So, um, anyways, I, uh, ended up calling the hotel and I asked him if he had checked out and they said he had not. And I asked them to do a well check on him. Oh boy. Um, it was very chaotic and even trying to remember the sequence of everything today is still kind of, I don't know what the term I'm looking for, but very hazy. Hazy? Hazy. Yes. Yeah, just, it, it seems like it was a dream. You know what I mean? Um, but I called them and asked if they would check on them. And for some reason I hung up and called him back about five minutes later. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm driving, like we're getting ready to like get on the road. We were getting gas and we were getting ready to take off. And I hated leaving, not having spoken to him because it was just so out of the ordinary for him not to show up to say bye to me. Um, so I called the hotel back again and I said, were you able to get into his room? And they said he had the lock on it. So they were waiting for maintenance to come and, um, unlock the door. So, um, they ended up, I hung up again, you know, I was just kind of like, didn't know what to do, you know, like something didn't seem right. So I called back a few minutes later and we were heading towards the freeway at this point. And they, I said, so did you get somebody in there? And they said, we did ma'am. And, um, when we went in there, your son was unresponsive. So we called, um, 911 and the ambulance is on their way. So oh you can only imagine, you know, in my car, it was myself, my daughter, and I had three dogs in the back seat, two lizards and four fish in my car. <laughs> and yeah, we were, we were getting ready to head out. Wow. The art, we called it the arc. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I panicked, you know, and I just, I remember driving because the hotel that he was at was about 23 minutes and it was the longest 23 minute drive in my whole entire life. I remember um, just, I'm sure it was traumatic for my daughter to hear that what I was saying, but I was just praying, like yelling out loud, dear God, please let him be okay. Please let him be okay. And I knew in the back of my mind that the fact that he wasn't answering the door and they had to cut their way into the room that was not a good sign. You know, um, I remember thinking that 
but just praying to God. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, The Soul Surfer, where the girl gets her arm cut off by the shark. No. Um, it's a movie that um, Helen Hunt's in, and this girl was a surfer, and she ended up getting her arm bit off as she was surfing in the ocean by a shark. Mm. And there's this scene in there that I actually had a little PTSD moment after my son passed away about a couple months. I watched that movie with my daughter and she's just, you know, Helen Hunt's driving and saying, dear God, please let her be alive. And it was exactly, if you've ever seen that movie, that's exactly what was going on in my vehicle at that time. Like just dear God, please, please let him be okay. You know, please. Uh, we drove up to the hotel and I remember seeing an ambulance leaving with no lights on. And I'm sure, I mean, anybody knows that's not good. You know, no. either they're okay or they're not okay at all. It's right. one of the two. So I pulled up and my daughter yelled because at this time I'm just bawling and I don't even know what I was saying at that time. Like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe this is how, please let him be alive. And She's like, mom, just pull up to the front and get out and go in. So I did. I just pulled up, jumped out of the car and went in. I was like, I'm Cole's mom. And they knew his name because I had said, like, oh, whatever floor he's up on the set when I got up there. I remember walking up to the room and they had the door propped open um, with the bathroom door where you couldn't go in or out. And I walked up. I wanted to go in there so bad. And the officer met me at the door and said, ma'am, you can't go in there you know, your son has passed away and we are calling it, um, you know, we're due to his age and the circumstance surrounding it, we are calling it a crime scene. So nobody's allowed in there. Um, you know, a lot of moms say that when they heard their son or daughter passed away, they just cry. And, you know, I used to feel very guilty because I remember I did not, I was just like, I had nothing. I just sat there like, so like, I didn't know what I was going to do. You know what I mean? Just like shocked, I guess is the word in shock. And then my dad ended up showing up and my husband showed up. And I remember my dad just breaking down, screaming, crying. And I'm watching all this. Like, I felt like I was up here watching it. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't there. Right. And it didn't even hit me. I mean, the officers at the scene was asking questions. My dad was answering, you know, we knew Cole had had drug, you know, issues with drug and drugs in the past. So we did tell them that. And I remember them mentioning the word fentanyl there, but you know, nothing was elaborated about it. Um, it was just, we couldn't go in and see him. And I, I remember I wanted in that room so bad, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to see him and I asked the officer, well, what does he look like? And he just told me he was laying there peacefully with his legs, one leg tucked under the other and his, his arms like crossed like this on his chest. And the police officer told me that he, he looked like he had just fallen asleep, you know? And I remember waiting there. God, I don't know minutes. <laughs> it seemed like I was barely there, but I know I was there probably at least an hour. And then my husband finally was like, I think, you know, we should just probably leave. And I remember walking out of the hotel, I got in my Jeep. And for some reason, I called my hairdresser. I don't even know why I did that. Like I just randomly called her. 
And I, I mean, we're friends, but not like close friends. And I just told her my son died. Like I just said it. And then I just started bawling. Like I just uncontrollably, like, I don't know, maybe I had to say it. I don't know, you know, but it hit me. Like I'm leaving without him, you know, like he's not coming with me. So that was the, the, that is the hardest thing for me to even share or talk about. I don't, I, I don't, I do share about it, but that day specifically is just devastating. You know, nobody expects to have to do that. No mom, you know, no. it's not normal. So that was the day he passed and um, we did not go to Oklahoma. We went back to my parents since we did not have a home because we had sold ours <laughs> and um, yeah, we went to my parents and we stayed at my parents for a month until I got Cole cremated and we had a celebration of life for him because I refused to leave without him. Um, and we stayed in an air mattress in there cause there was their bedroom. And then my nephew lived with my parents also. And then, uh, Cole had a room. So there was only three bedrooms and I didn't let anybody in Cole's room. Like I, I barely even went in there. I, you know, which is a whole nother story. Cause 30 days later we had to pack that room up. So, you know, it that was very tough. Cause I, I actually, I wanted my house back. I wanted my house back. I wanted, you know, everything that had coal in it, you know what I, I wanted my home back, right. but that was not anything that could happen at that time, obviously. So, um, but to have to 30 days later, pack up his room was, I had to leave. I didn't even do it. I let my dad and my husband do it. And I just had to leave. I couldn't even be there for it, you know, cause in my mind, I'm the kind that would have kept it like that the way he left it for probably forever, you know? So yeah, that was a lot of stress, <laughs> you know, the moving on top of the losing coal, then having to live with my parents and sleep in an air mattress. And, you know, it was just a lot. It was a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. Without a doubt. And you're trying to take care of everybody, including you two little ones. You know, oh yeah. I remember like, I just couldn't eat for probably two weeks. Like it was awful. Like everybody was worried because I just couldn't, I could not eat when I did eat. It just tasted awful, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't believe this, that that had happened. Like we had lost his dad and now to lose a son, you know, my ex-husband passed away and then to lose a son was just, I couldn't even believe it, you know? It was just unfathomable that something like that could have happened, you know, those two things. Right. So it was, so close it was together. So close yeah. together. Yeah. And so then I assume your parents had sold their house too. So you were all moving. Yeah. So he had passed away and then we stayed, uh, we were able to stay for 30 days and then they had to move as well. So, um, we had Cole's celebration of life. I almost didn't have a celebration of life for him. Um, and this sounds silly, but I wasn't sure if anybody would show up, like, Aww. you know, I don't know. I, I didn't know. I mean, Cole had friends and we knew a ton of people, but 
when he was doing stuff he shouldn't he didn't bring the friends around me you know what I mean like so I always was as a mom was like hey do you have friends are you good like you know you only need one good friend like I was his friend you know what I mean like I felt like that but Cole did have friends I think uh we counted like 300 cars in the parking lot so we did it out at a fishery and um his sister made a video you know like a with music and uh, we had these pictures there. I was with noticing that. Look at all the signatures around that. Yeah, there was a lot of everybody signed. And we had several of these that people signed and left little notes, you know, like, we love you, Cole. Um, I don't know. Fly high, homie. You know, they're kids. <laughs> I love you, Cole. You're the best big brother ever. You know, stuff like that. Um people's names so we had several of these that we had um but this is the one that I keep in my living room on my mantle so he was very loved you know and it missed lots of people saying we'll miss you you know um just all kinds of really I'm glad I did it I'm glad I had the celebration of life for him you know and I can say like we didn't have him cremated yet because it takes time for all that. And we literally had the celebration of life. I want to say it was like two weeks after he passed. Mm-hmm. We, and um, I don't know, everybody, I don't know if you've ever heard a mom cry, but I made a cry. I never even knew I could make, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like it's it, not, I call it wailing. It is. It's, it's a cry wailing. where you're on your knees mostly. And you just, everything comes out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to be with him. I'm not going to lie. Sure. You know, um, didn't know how you, at that point, you don't know how you're going to live without them. How does life go on from there? You know, what right. does that look like? Um, so I remember a friend of mine who, a uh, couple, she had two boys and they were good friends with Cole. They played baseball with him. And afterwards, she had uh, messaged me and she said, I just want to let you know that um, my boys heard you cry. And they told me that, mom, I never want you to have to cry like that. And they told her, I, I will never do anything, any drugs or anything. Because I, I they didn't, I mean, that was awful I'm sure you know what I mean if you've never heard it the first time you hear it it's just heartbreaking I'm sure I mean I did it I didn't get to hear it I heard myself do it and I thought oh my gosh that came out of me you know but I I I was pretty numb I'm not gonna lie like I just was there but not there yes you know for probably the first two two or three weeks and then on the fourth week I had to drive from California to Oklahoma which was two and a half days And my daughter, we got back in to make the move and it was very difficult for me to stay in hotel rooms because my son had just passed one. So every time we'd walk into, which I didn't even tell everybody this, but it was very difficult because all I could think about was that hotel room. You know, I didn't want to do that, but I didn't have a choice. So I did that. Um, I, you know, we stayed in two hotel rooms and then... Every morning I'd get up, get ready, get in the car. My daughter would be there and I would just cry, you know, and drive. And she would just, 
it's okay, mom. And she would pat me and let me cry. You know what I mean? But I remember that was so hard. You know, I was having to do a lot of things I absolutely did not want to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, and a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you're so strong. And I did not feel strong. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. know, I, it's almost I like uh, I have to do this. It's not like yeah. I want to do this. And Exactly. It's like you just, you do what you have to do, you know, almost like a robot mode. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you, I just yes. had to, I had to do it and mm-hmm. I might not, have, but I learned after my son died, there's a lot of things in life that I didn't want. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I did not want to happen, but somehow, somehow, I don't know how, you know, I managed to make it through those things, you know? So uh, we made it to Oklahoma and we got into our house. And I have to tell you, like the first five months, it, it kind of went like this, take the kids to school, come home, cry. I cried so much. My three dogs would cry with me. I'm not joking. I have a lab, a Husky and a, a rat terrier. And the lab would just sit there in front of me and cry because I would just sit there and cry. And, um, I changed a lot. Like I was very social um, didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere. You know, I, I mean, I'll be honest, there was, and maybe I'm sure moms or dads can relate to this. Like I didn't even shower sometimes for like 10 days, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. to the point where my scalp hurt. Cause I hadn't washed my hair, you know? Um, I was not doing well. Let's just say that I had really no friends in, in Oklahoma. My son had just passed away. My husband went to work. My kids were at school. You know, all I had was the time to sit there and think. Um, I do remember during those first five months, fentanyl, okay? Um, what the heck is fentanyl, you know? Right. I I am very much a researcher, so I did jump into online and try to find anything and everything I could find out about fentanyl, what it is, what it was originally used for, where it came from. I mean, the list goes on. I read and read and read. And then I found all these sites on Facebook, uh, drug induced homicide being one of them, you know, and realized, okay, I'm not alone in this. Look at all these families. Oh my gosh. How did I not know about all these families before my son died? We had maybe heard about one family that had lost someone from fentanyl, actually two. And I was one of those people to this day that I'm trying to teach people don't think this way because I thought it was random, you know, two people in our county had that we, I knew about had passed away from fentanyl. Oh, I knew my son had experimented drugs, but what are the chances that could even happen to him? You know, I was one of those people. Um, It makes me angry. I'm not going to lie that we weren't being made aware of it in 2015, 16, 17, 18, which will lead to where a little ways from here, I will explain what I've done with it. But I, I definitely researched amongst my tears. Um, you know, I actually, and I will say, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, I had very dark thoughts. Um, I ended up going and seeing a counselor. My husband was like, you need to go talk to somebody talking consisted of sitting there for 45 minutes, just crying. (laughs) I cried and the poor man, super nice counselor, just sat there and he let me cry, you know, but I had found when I would go to the counseling appointments, 
my tears at home got a little bit less, you know? That's good. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep going to this, you know? And if I just cry, maybe I just need to have someone be there when I cry with me, you know? Absolutely. So, sometimes, uh, sometimes you need, um, like someone who's giving you their condolences, like giving you their sympathy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just was more as better to have him there than my dogs crying with me. You know, I felt that <laughs> I was making my dogs cry. Are you kidding? This is not normal. You know what I mean? So I'm like, this is bad. So, um, my husband, you know, he was one of the first ones to be, and it wasn't like, you know, um, go to a counselor, you're losing your mind. He wasn't like that. He was just like <laughs> encouraging, like, Hey, you probably should go talk to somebody. So I did do that for a while. And then, um, he finally, I mean, my husband was once again, probably, I, I think I went to a counselor for like three or four, three, three months or so maybe. And then, um, you know, I, I finally came to the point where like, I don't really have much more to say to him. You know, I'm not really sure where I'm, where I'm at with the counseling and I wasn't sure about it. And then my husband's like, well, you need to find something to do, you know? And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So <laughs> I, I had this random thought, like I'm going to reach out. Uh, Cause I was a member of the drug induced homicide in California and I reached out because where Cole passed away. So I reached out to, um, I want to say Tara and Matt, Tara Bear and Matt Capitello, I think is how you say his last name. And I said, hey, are there any groups I can join out here in Oklahoma? I, I need to do something with my stuff. So um, yeah, so they were the ones who told me, I think it was Tara that said, oh, well, there's a group out there, uh, Family Supporting Families. Diane Searle is um, the leader of that group. So they put me in contact with Diane. I messaged her right away and um, I told her about Cole. She asked me a bunch of questions. I, you know, told her everything. And, um, they do once a month dinners out here. So their next dinner was like a week. Yeah. So I, um, I, I committed to going and I'll tell you the day that I was going to go, I didn't want to go, you know, I'm like, are they going to like me? I'm from California. I feel like a, like a high school girl all over again. (laughs) I'm like, can I do this? What are they going to think of me? You know, am I going to be accepted? You know, my husband's like, just go, If you don't like it. Don't go back. And I was like, okay. So I did go and I remember pulling up while Cole owned a Honda Civic, a red Honda Civic. And I remember um, pulling up to the restaurant where we were meeting. And sure enough, there was this, wasn't Cole's car, but a red Honda Civic was sitting. And I'm a big on like these angel signs, I call them. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. So I pulled in and I was like, I remember taking a picture, sending it to my husband. And I said, well, I think I'm where I'm supposed to be because Cole's car is here. He's with me in a way, not real. you not, you know what I mean? Like in spirit. he's with you in spirit. Yeah. So I went in and I immediately connected with all the moms. You know, I felt when I went, uh, they usually tell a story. So I think it was Diane told her daughter's story that night and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I cried and they cried and it wasn't like I was weird. You know, they got everything that I said. It was just, So I went from the counseling to these dinners with these moms. And I felt like that was my counseling. You know what I mean? Like I got so much 
And I say to this day, this, that group saved me. Not that my family wasn't important to me. I mean, I will be here for my family, you know, until God calls me. Um, and my day is my time to leave here on earth. But this group and the friendships I made and just the support from them, it saved me. And I think it was like the second or third dinner. And I told Diane, I said, okay, I need a job. Um, I had moved to Oklahoma, like I said, and I, and I wasn't working. So, um, she's like, okay, so we make posters, um, for loved ones that for, for people who've lost their loved ones. And we take them to rallies at the time they did two or three rallies out here. So I started making these posters for these rallies and they're, they're big, they're like 20 by 30 and they say their picture. And I'm, I mean, their, their, their name and their forever age and what they passed from. And, you know, I started doing that and then it just kind of started like a ripple effect. I got into doing that. Me and Diane got to be, you know, really good friends. And I was like, okay, um, I want to do more, you know, um, like I said, I had researched a lot. So I had a not, lot of knowledge. I went to um, a forum they put on in Broken Arrow out here, which is another town. And I got interviewed and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm going to say, you know, but <laughs> the more I talked about it, the more I healed from sharing about it. I'm going to stop there. Next week, we'll complete our conversation with Rebecca Brown regarding her son Cole's death to fentanyl poisoning. We also talk about the case and her advocacy work with drug-induced homicide, their Oklahoma chapter, as well as another group, Families Supporting Families, which she has gained great strength from. Thank you for being here. Please subscribe, share, rate, review, and comment especially to let others know about this. It will help us increase in the algorithms and it's so important that you do that so that more people will be exposed to this information. People who truly need it. People who we hope will be helped, especially that they will never know what it is to lose a child, especially to poisonings like this. We love you, we're grateful for you, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Ooh.